arrived after I was able to greet you. Glad to be here with you. I'm glad to be back here with you. Long before I, I did worship every week as my career, uh, I thought it was kind of annoying doing worship every week. The same thing week after week after week. I would look around as I was in a, a church service from your side of things, right, where I sometimes get to be anymore. Um, would look around and I would, I would see people saying the words, maybe the words of the, the creed, the words of the confession, saying the words though with kind of a, a blank look on their face, seemingly uh, going through the motions. And it felt all very kind of formulaic, like just some, some magic words to say, right? And so I would have these thoughts go through my head. I would look around and I would say, these people don't, don't care. They're not even paying attention. One time I even saw a lady knitting while she was doing it. Oh. As I got a little older, though, I started to, uh, to think a little differently about these things. And we we'll, uh, came to a, a different conclusion. I'll tell you more about that as we go along, uh, but uh, this idea came into my head because here this week in the reading we just finished, this uh, reading from Luke chapter 11, Jesus gives us some of those formula words, right? Some of those words that we say over and over again and again. When you pray, he says, pray like this. His followers had, had asked him, you can see it here, his followers had asked, them, asked him to teach them how to pray. These are Jewish guys, as we know. Um, and Judaism has a rich history of, of liturgies and, and set prayers and things to say in exactly the same way at exactly the same time. And the, the job of a rabbi, as Jesus is their rabbi, as he is their teacher, the job of a rabbi is to initiate his followers into that practice, into those liturgies and those worship services and, and those prayers. So they're asking Jesus to do what what any rabbi, any teacher would, would do for them. So Jesus gives them the prayer that we know as, as the Lord's Prayer, right? As the, the Our Father, you might know it by that name. The same one that we say week after week. You might notice, though, just very briefly, you might notice that there's something missing from the words that, uh, that we just read. What did we not say? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And if you come from a Catholic background, you actually maybe didn't notice there was something missing uh, because they don't do it that way. We have a different words, those words on the end. Uh, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with those words. They're not bad. It's just they don't show up in any of the uh, earliest translations, the earliest written down gospels don't record those words. The first time that that ending piece shows up is, is about the 4th century, the, the year uh, 400, about 300 years after the Gospels were written down, is the first time that those words show up in any kind of written document. And so the thought is that this is something added by the early church in, in their worship. See, Jewish worship and, and the early Christians would have been following the same model of Jewish worship. And uh, if you know anything about Jewish worship, you know that it, it, it has a, a rich tradi tradition of responsive readings. Uh, for example, a responsive reading is what we do in the psalm. 
where Sam reads half and you read the other, or in the Kyrie, where I say certain words and you respond uh, with the same words over time. The Jewish tradition has, is rich in, in that sort of thing, and, and the early Christians would have followed that tradition, just like we do today. So the assumption is that that, that ending piece that we use in our prayer uh, was added as a, as a response to be said on the part of the congregation. Does that make sense? Not relevant to our topic today, just wanted you to have that, that bit of information. Rather than focusing on, on the prayer, I'm more interested today in, in thinking about the thing that Jesus says next. Verse 5 in our, in our reading, where he says, teaching them more about prayer, he uses a story. I want to focus on what comes after that prayer, because there are actually two pretty great promises. Excuse me, two pretty great promises that, that we see in this reading, but they come after a bit of a strange story. This story about a, a person who goes to his neighbor at midnight asking for bread. Here's what, you, here's what you need to know about this story, because for us it seems like strange behavior, right? I'd be, I'd be pretty upset if someone did that to me. I don't know about you. Um, I'd be pretty upset. But what we need to know is that the, the culture at the time, this would have been more or less accepted, uh, because the culture of the day was one very focused on, on hospitality, on taking good care of, of those who are guests in your home. When a guest arrived, no matter what the time was, uh, the expectation was that, that you would be able to offer them something. And that when they left, even in some cases, this is how deep the, the culture of hospitality goes, in some cases, when they left, you would have been expected to offer them a gift. So not only did they stay in your home, right, you, you, you feed them and take care of them, but when they leave, you need to offer them a gift. And that gift, it becomes a token. A token of a relationship that would last literally for generations. So that if you take someone in this first century culture, if you take someone into your home as your guest, you feed them, you, you, you give, take care of their needs, and then you give them this gift, this token on the way out, and what it means is that their children and their, their children's children can show up at your children and your children's children's, and that relationship of, 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 of um, mutual giving extends even for generations. And so in some cases, we see this even through scripture, right? Uh, you read about one last week. In some cases, the host was expected to, to cater to the guest even before the guest's identity was, was known. So it wasn't even polite to ask, you know, who are you, right? You're sitting at my table. Who are you? You, you give what you have. We saw this, I think you guys read Genesis 18 last week, right? Where it says this, it says, The Lord appeared to, to Abraham near the great trees of, of Mamre while he was uh, sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Kind of like this. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby, and when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent. He doesn't even know who these guys are yet, but he, he hurried from the entrance to his tent to meet them and, and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, that you may all wash your feet and rest under the tree. Let me get you something to eat, so that you can be refreshed and go on your way, now that you have come to your servants. So Abraham doesn't even know who these people are, and yet he, he rushes around as, as hurriedly as he can to make them feel welcome and give them uh, something to eat. 
We see a similar thing. This is why Elijah later on in 1 Kings can ask a widow, a stranger, to give him some piece of bread. He says, Elijah went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called her and asked, Would you bring me a little water and a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, And bring me a piece of bread as well. And so for us, that feels presumptuous, and it feels um, kind of that give a mouse a cookie thing, right? But in the culture of the time... It was expected, it was understood. And the understanding and the expectation is that when a guest arrives, you'll have something ready for them, ready to share it with them. That's, that's basic to the culture. To not do that, to be unprepared or, or, or be lacking the right ingredients, it's a serious foul, it's a social faux pas, and it's a source of deep shame. To a person in this culture. So in other words, what we're seeing here is not just a story about an annoying neighbor. We're seeing a story about a man who is deeply in need. He's without even the basics, even that basic expectation. He can't meet it. And that's a source of shame and embarrassment for him. So now this story hopefully is starting to come into focus a little bit for us. This is a parable, it's a story about prayer, and we know it's a story about prayer because it's, it's sandwiched between uh, two other things. The prayer that Jesus teaches, then several promises about asking God for things. But the action the person in the story, the one being asked, are a little strange too. At first he doesn't want to open the door, fair enough. But Jesus says he'll eventually open it and give the man what he's asking for, not because he's good friends, not because he cares about him in any particular way, but why? Persistence. Annoying. <laughs> because of his persistence, because he keeps on knocking on it, right? So let's think together then about what Jesus is, is getting at here. And maybe, maybe you guys are all intelligent people. Maybe you're trying, already starting to piece this together. So Jesus gives us a prayer to pray. The set words, the same every time. Then he gives two promises. Ask and it will be given. Knock and the door will be opened. And your Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts. But in between those two is this story about a, a, a repeated no. A repeated no to a desperate need. That's a source of shame and embarrassment. And becomes a yes only after this persistent asking. Here's what I think it means. Here's what I think Jesus is going after here. I think it means that sometimes it's going to feel like the door is closed. Does that resonate at all? Sometimes, thank you. Sometimes you're praying for something basic, right? Something very necessary, a deep need that you have, and, and maybe the lack of it even brings you some shame and some embarrassment, and you're praying for it and praying for it, but the answer keeps being no. The door feels like it's shut tight. And I think that reality, that reality that sometimes the door is shut tight and the answer is a no, I think that answer is, I think that's why Jesus gives us fixed, unchanging words. Words that for me for a long time felt like nobody was paying attention, like they were just formula. I think that's the value of them. That's why Jesus gives them to us. Keep praying these same things week after week after week. See, we pray in this prayer Jesus gives us week after week. We keep on praying for, for daily bread. 
and yet the rent isn't paid, and the cupboards are empty, and we're not achieving what we wish we could achieve, and we keep praying for his kingdom to come, but still we see brokenness all around us, and open racism, and, and persistent inequality all over the place. And we pray, lead us not into, into temptation, but we find ourselves here every week confessing the same thing, that we've stumbled in the exact same ways that we've fallen in the same holes and we pray deliver us from evil but evil is all around us and at every turn we find it and some of you even start to wonder if you're under some sort of curse and you're not by the way but I understand why you feel that way so Jesus is saying Jesus is saying keep on praying keep on praying keep on asking again and again over and over and over never stop asking he says be persistent in your asking just like that neighbor knocking on the door uh, i was talking you guys have heard me talk about uh sharing this sometimes at the, at the coffee shop i was talking about this sermon and he used the word tenacious and i liked it jesus is saying to you be tenacious in your prayers be, be tenacious in your asking that is don't let go don't give up Luther says it like this, Martin Luther, who is the, the father of our, our Lutheran tradition, he's talking about the Lord's Prayer and uh, the importance of, of having it be a part of our spiritual life, and he says these words that I think are, are great. He says, there is nothing more important than calling upon God incessantly. What do, you, what do you think of when you hear the word incessantly? Never stops. Is it, is it relentless? Yeah constant, but in, a, in kind of an irritating way, right? If something is incessant, it's like the fly. Incessant is kind of annoying, right? He says this, there's nothing more important than calling upon God incessantly and drumming our concerns into his ears. Right? If somebody's drumming on you, it's the same thing. No offense to our drummer. You're very good. <laughs> if somebody's drumming on you, so the, the picture we have here is I think fascinating. Luther literally says, go ahead and bug God with your needs. Keep on asking until you until the, you reach the point where you think you're being annoying, where you think he's going to get fed up with you, and then ask some more. Keep on going, right? There's nothing more important than being incessant about it. And the really incredible thing, that the coolest part of this, is that it isn't just Luther being weird. We know Luther says a lot of emphatic things. But God actually says he's open to this, to your being incessant, to your asking and asking and asking and drumming things into his head, right? God actually says he's open to that. He's listening. Psalm 17, I've called upon you for you will answer me. Psalm 50, call, on, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Psalm 116, because he's turned his ear toward me, I will call upon him as long as I live. Second Samuel 22, I call upon the Lord and I am saved from my enemies. Isaiah 58, then you will call and the Lord will answer. Jeremiah 33, call to me and I will answer you. He's listening. He's listening every single time to every single person, strong or weak, rich or poor, inside the, the group or outside the group. He's listening. So, so no, matter, no matter who you are, what you've done, no matter where you've wandered or how far you've strayed, no matter what other people are saying about you, as messy as your life might be and however deep the shame that you carry, none of it matters. You are welcome and invited to call upon your God, to ask and ask and ask over and over again and again for every single need that you have. And by the way, this is true. It's true for you. It's true also, though, for your neighbor for your friends, for the person uh, around you, who are the people around you who are struggling, even, by the way, if you don't like them, still true. They too, 
They're also welcome and invited to bring their knees before God who is listening as well. He's ready and, and, and willing to listen and, and answer their prayers too. So as you listen to me this morning, practice how you would say that to them. How would you share this with them? Not only are, are you and, and everyone else welcome and, and invited to to God who listens. The other thing Jesus says, pretty good too, he says, the door will open. The door will open. See, that's that's where the persistence comes in. First time, the door is closed. The second time, the door is still closed. But eventually, with persistence, the door opens and the bread is given, right? And let's, let's be clear about something here very quickly. Your persistence doesn't make God do stuff. It isn't manipulative. But the promise is, Jesus says it right here, the promise is the door will open. So trust that. And and keep asking until it does. Keep asking for the things that you need. And it might it might take until Jesus comes back uh, for that door to open. For you to be free from those needs and free from those struggles, it might take a long time. It might be the uh, the other, the next side of Jesus' kingdom before that door opens, but the door will open. God will provide for you in his time. So be persistent in your prayer. Don't lose faith in the asking. Trusting in his promises that he knows exactly how to give you the good gifts that you need and that he will in his time. Right share a story that illustrates this a little bit because there's something that a lot of us have been praying for for a long time. Almost two years ago, Eric shared with us that his wife was experiencing immigration challenges, and you heard him uh, praying about that week after week uh, for separated families and for his own family that was separated. For a long time, he was praying for this, and then three weeks ago, he had to leave us because of it, right? And it felt like the door was shut really, really tight. But yesterday I got the news that said that the paperwork was approved. And I know. <laughs> paperwork was approved and they'll be able to be reunited very soon. So be persistent in prayer. The door will open. Paul says it a little differently. He says, pray without ceasing. Bring everything to God in prayer and and keep on going, be persistent, don't give up. Recently I decided to start swimming for two reasons really. The first is that all you guys are telling me I'm getting fat, so I have to do something about that. Uh, Secondly though, I decided it's it's something that I I should be good at, that I should know how to do, right? And my my mom watches these, she'll be rolling her eyes right now because she, she enrolled me in swimming lessons for like 10 years and I never took it seriously. Um, But when I first started, about three weeks ago, I wasn't very good at it. I didn't didn't do the motions very well. I could barely make it down and back before I got tired and had to stop, right? Then I did it day after day after day, and what happens? Well, not yet. (laughs) 
<laughs> Practice makes okay. Uh, I just kept doing it day after day, right? And it was weird at first, and I, I, it was uncomfortable at first, and I wasn't that good at it, and I didn't, in awkward ways sometimes. was not certainly very graceful early on, but now I can do the motions more smoothly. It comes more naturally. I can do more laps in less time. The more I do it, the more I get conditioned to it, right? Accustomed to it. And I'm not trying to blow my own horn. This is... This is uh, this is like what it is when we try to start doing that persistent prayer thing, right? Jesus invites you to do it all the time. Whatever need you have, bring it, bring it to God. He's listening, and in his timing, he's, he's ready to give you everything that you need. So keep bringing him needs. That's the invitation here. For some of us, though, it's going to feel a little bit like, like when I was swimming. Maybe it, it doesn't feel very natural at first. Maybe you can't do it for very long before before other thoughts come in your head or you get tired and fall asleep, right? Um, or you have to stop. But the more that you do it, it'll come more naturally to you. You'll do more of it for longer without getting tired. And the things that Jesus asks us or invites us to do, things like pray all the time, he gives us his Holy Spirit to help us do them so that as you do more of it, you'll be guided and strengthened by the Spirit to be better and better at it, to get more conditioned to it, more accustomed to it. So that's why the repeated words then aren't so bad. Wrapping this all together, that's why they're not so bad, right? It's like doing the same swimming stroke again and again and again. Doing the same thing over and over isn't always so bad. The same words aren't simply, as I naively thought, tuned out or, or uninterested. Instead, it's a reminder to wait patiently and to be persistent in your prayers until the day that the door opens, because eventually it will. In Jesus' name, amen. Take 30 seconds and reflect on that. Let's do 15 seconds, because it's hot. Uh, reflect quick on that. <laughs>